This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is the Stephen and Kevin Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Stephen and Kevin Show. This is episode number 108. We're talking today about value propositions. Value propositions in the sense of you're out and about, you're meeting new people, and someone asks, what do you do? We're going to talk today about how you respond to that type of question. It's one we know you get all the time, and it's one we know advisors have a variety of answers for. We thought this is like a classic Oxley lesson today. It is. We kind of like went back to like old school sales training Oxley with this episode. We were preparing for this and thinking, what should we talk about? And we said, let's go back to a classic, and there's nothing more classic Oxley than value proposition. We sat through so many workshops on this, not just uh, from our company, and we we wouldn't put together a standalone workshop on how to explain what you do or how to answer what do you do for a living? Because we always had the feeling, Matt Oxley in particular, that was a little bit overkill, right? True. You don't need to talk that long about it. But we talked about it a lot, and people went over and over their answer for this, and we're going to clarify a little bit of what our recommendations are today uh, for those of you who are still struggling with how do you answer that in the, in the right way. Yeah, or, or you know, sometimes you're, you're working with an advisor, and they say, I say different things every time. Whenever anyone asks me what I do, it's like I, I change it up every time. And sometimes it feels right. Sometimes it doesn't feel right. And, and I, just, I just wish I had an answer for that simple question, right? Um, and, and in reality, it is a pretty simple question. Yeah, for sure. And it's very polarizing. Whenever we would talk about this in a workshop, you would have some people who would be vehemently opposed to a line that someone else would be like, oh, that's what I always say. People love that line. Right. And you're right. like, well, to each his own, right? I mean, yeah. everybody has a different way of explaining this, but there are some rights and wrongs. Like we can say, you might have a fringe answer that really resonates with you, but that 99% of the public thinks is just terrible. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so we want to steer you in the right direction. That's what today is all about. Hey, guess what? Coaching is here for you. Coaching is there for situations just like this, where you're trying to get your language just right. Mm-hmm. One of our favorite things, Kevin and I used to do a lot more coaching personally. Our coaches still do a ton of coaching across the industry in the U.S. and Canada. We help with practice management. We help with teaming. We help with client acquisition. One of our favorite things and one of our coaches' favorite things to talk about is language. What do you say? Who do you say it to? How do you refine this or that topic so that you come off with the most impact? Once you have the right language, right, it's just a matter of implementing it, and it's a pretty easy fix. But sometimes getting to that right language takes a little bit of finesse. And, yes, coaching is one of those things where you can role play, you can, you know, bounce ideas off of a coach and get some real world feedback. What I like most about it, Kevin, was that, you know, like today, for example, we're going to give you some insights on value proposition. How would we recommend you do that? But you're not able to talk back with us. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could drop a comment, or send us an email or something. But in coaching, it's much more real world in that I would say to you, if I'm the financial advisor and you're my coach, Kevin, I would say, hey, I've got a big opportunity coming up yeah. with this and this person. What should I say to her? Yeah. Don't really know list game plan. Yeah, situational coaching is the best type of coaching in our opinion. So yeah. So check us out, Oxley.com. We are the industry leader in performance coaching. All right. So getting back into today's topic, when we're talking about value proposition, just I just want to be crystal clear, and I, and I mentioned this kind of early on in the episode that we're not talking about you met with a prospect two or three times and then they're they're saying, Hey, by the way, like just why should I work with you? Like, we're not talking about that type of value proposition. We're talking about one that's really related to social prospecting, right? You're out and about, you're meeting 
people, right? You're shaking hands, kissing babies, you're networking, and you get this question, what do you do? And you know, we, we see advisors, again, take a variety of, of different paths here. One of the things that some try to avoid doing is just saying, I'm a financial advisor at XYZ company, because sometimes they think it pigeonholes them. You know, and, and it's one of those things that back in the day, if you were in a workshop with Matt Oxley and you said, that's how I want to answer, he would have just about come off the stage at you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But he, it would, oh. he would have been 100% opposed to you using that language. Now, can, can I tell you what he would do? What? He would, he would say, he would throw it out to the audience. What does everybody else think? That's what he would do. And then there would be some Somebody other people. Don't do it. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. That's what he would do. No, but, and there's a, there's a lot of validity to that because, uh, and here's why certain people wouldn't want to answer that way. They would say, well, it pigeonholes me. I'm one of 15,000 who would all say that. Mm -hmm. People will have preconceptions about what that job title means. Maybe they link very quickly. Wealth manager, financial advisor, stockbroker. Um, you know, and I- That's good. We think into the perception of it. Yeah, maybe, maybe they have some sort of prior relationship with that company if you're at a bigger firm and they immediately write you off because of that association. Yeah. So. But, uh, you know, me being a very straightforward person, um, I don't take huge issue with it. Mm. Like, here's where I would stop short. I would never say this. Like, if I worked at a larger firm and somebody asked me what I did, I would never say, I work at such and such. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I, you know I'm with so-and-so. Right. I would never say that. Like, uh, and, and the reasoning being, I think that is too much putting your identity with the firm, which is not a terrible thing, but people are doing business with you, right? True. So it's more about what you provide more so than what firm you're with. But I wouldn't take huge issue with you saying that you're a financial advisor or fa financial planner uh, because that is, in fact, what you do. And my main mission in all this, and we're going to share a lot more creative language today, some do's and don'ts. It's a lot more nuanced than what we're getting to here in the beginning. Uh, but my main concern is when you're talking to somebody in one of your first few conversations that you don't come across like a weirdo, that they <laughs> want to talk with you again. Yeah. And some of the things we're going to cover in terms of worst practices are things where if you said it, and I'm the consumer, I'm somebody you know socially, and I'm talking to you, and you come off with some wacko language, then I'm like, never talking to him again. I've heard you say this multiple times while we were presenting. And a lot of times, Steve and I will do co-presenting, like almost like podcast style. And I've heard Steven say, just be like a normal human being. And I, I say that genuinely, and people laugh, but I'm like, no, I, I mean that. Like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually good advice. Come across like, I, I would rather you come across just a little bit vanilla when answering what you do yes. than you come across as a little bit too creative. And, too quirky. Yeah. Let's go through some of those. All right, let's all do right. that. So We have here, some fun ones. Here are some things that it shouldn't be. And by the way, these are all real ones that we've heard from financial advisors over time. I mean, we didn't sit down and just come up with a a bunch of cheesy value propositions here. We actually, these are ones that we've heard, we've collected over the years. We had fun um, compiling this list here. Here's an oldie but goodie. What do you do? I help people sleep at night. Oh, you sell Ambien. No, no, <laughs> I, I just make them help, you know. Yeah, and you're like, oh, uh, yeah, Exactly, but yes, but that, that's a very common one. I help people sleep at night. And now, I, I had one related to that, and this was an advisor, and she used to say something like, Oh, all of, what do you do? All of my clients are part of the Swan Club. Mm. What's the Swan Club? S-W-A-N. Sleep well at night club. Mm. Cheesy, I right? Would, I would dodge you the next time I saw you. Oh, no oh, doubt about it. Without a doubt. I help make dreams come true. <laughs> we, uh, sounds we like help, a life coach almost. I, I was doing, you know, we help our clients turn success into significance. Oof. You're fishing with that one. Like you want them to ask you like some really good follow-up questions. 
I, I know. And honestly, what, what that does a lot of times, it, it confuses people, right? All right, here's one. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to even get this one out. I'm a money maestro. Okay, do you want to know where these next four came from, Kevin? Okay. I, I, I put into chat GPT today. I okay, said, hey, okay, so these, okay, okay. These are four. These are not ones. These ne these four following were like, I said, chat GPT, give me corny financial advisor value propositions in some phraseology like that. And, it, and here's what they, they came out with. But ones, but the other ones are all real. I mean, and another real one I've heard is like, I'm a shepherd for your wealth. Like things like that. Then again, it's oh, just, yeah. right? I'm a personal trainer for your net worth. Those that's are, that's a real one. Hear. That's a real one. Okay. I'm a financial, here's a chat GPT one. I'm a financial ninja, stealthily slashing debt and boosting savings. Oof. 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 Man, sign me up. I'm a money maestro conducting the symphony of financial harmony for my clients. These are just cheesy. Now, but, you know, I would say one in a hundred financial advisors can pull off a slightly cheesy value proposition, but you're probably not that person. Yeah. Right. And I said one out of a hundred because that some. one out of a hundred is slightly quirky and so are their clients. Right. And it's, it's perfectly okay for you. Yeah. But for the vast majority of everybody else, you want to be a little bit more straightforward with that. I'd say what else is more common than one that's a little bit corny are ones that are too lengthy. Yes. So when I, when I say too lengthy, I remember being on a call with a big producer before and, and I coached her uh, and she got on this topic one day and she was like, well, let me share with you what I practiced. I went to a workshop my firm put together. We spent half a day going through this and she was like all about it. She was really proud about this value prop. Mm -hmm. And when she got through with it, I didn't know what else to say other than like, you you like it? Like that's, <laughs> I didn't know where to go from that because right. it was so bad. And I thought, this is why you shouldn't sit through training on this for that length of time because your answer gets worse. What did Matt Oxley say? He would say, it's like reciting the financial pledge of allegiance. Like it's, it becomes like memorized and it's lengthy and long and it's just not genuine. Yeah, less is more. Picture yourself giving this in a, in a one-to-one -one setting where you ask someone else what they do and they say, I'm a physician, and then you come back with something long-winded, it's naturally awkward. Yeah, exactly. uh, Another thing to avoid, when you read old sales literature, we've got plenty of old sales books here. Some of them would use this as a bit of a, a hook. Like, yes, you, you know, you would see this as a way for me to give you something so provocative that you can't help but ask me a follow-up question, yeah. and I've already figured out a way to reel you in. That's it. That's so it, you take yeah, one of these. Yeah. We help our clients turn success into significance, Kevin. Right. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? That That is 100%. I'm trying to be a little vague here, and I want you to say like, oh, yeah, tell me more about that. Well, let me ask you a question, Kevin. Yeah. And you would start down this contrived path where the other person is like, please get me out of this. Right, right. You know? Exactly. So another point here, again, we, we don't want to be corny with this. I mean, we, we shared with you a lot of real examples here and then a couple – Chat GPT ones, which were, which were, I think those were extreme. They are. Yeah. But one really important point that we want to make here when it comes to value proposition is that this is not a buying signal. This is not someone who's interested in doing work with you just because they, they asked, Hey, what do you do? It is a common question. And in a lot of, in a lot of circles, it's a throwaway question. Hey, I'm getting to know you a little bit. And I'm like, Hey, so what do you do for work? Right. And that is a, it's just a rapport building type of question and you can't forget that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And one of the things that people tend to do when you're in a sales role, part of how you qualify other people is knowing what they do for work. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to skip ahead to a, a little bit to a tip that I was going to offer later. And this tip is bring it now. Don't ask too quickly what somebody else does for a living. Yeah. That's how I, this is maybe it's me, but this, I always get the feeling that somebody is profiling me. Yeah. And if I'm talking to you and we just met and you're like, so what do you do for a living, Steven? 
and they're like looking at your car or they're like sizing you up a little bit or, you know, you're like- If, if it's too quick. Yeah, yeah it's like that's un, an unnaturally quick question. I think I've shared this story before, but did I ever tell you about the financial advisor who had joined our Michigan watch party group? And then he went around like the first day he was there and had a notebook, met everyone, wrote down their names and asked what they did for a living. And I, when he asked me, I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to share with him that I help financial advisors with marketing, right? Because I mean, that's what he was doing. Yeah. Anyway, it did not go well for him. We haven't heard that before, but check episodes number nine, number 32, <laughs> and number 64 for that exact do story. I, do I share that story I'm just often? kidding. No, it's a good one. Well, it's a good example of how people can be a little bit contrived and not know it. Yeah. You know, that in his brain was a good idea. Oh, he thought it was a great idea. He's like, I'm going to remember all of this information. So anyway. All so right. when you're thinking about what this should be, we don't want to overcomplicate it, but this is the same, this is the same way that we would work through every common question. What do you do? Uh, what's your ideal client? Yes. Um, what's your process? Uh, what do you charge? Same thing. We want to work through language that is simple, direct, and feels like you, right? So for this one, we want this to feel like something you would naturally say. Number one. Number two. You want this to be in the right context. Kevin mentioned early on that most of the time what we're planning here is a one-liner that can be used in a simple conversation where somebody asks you what you do. A social setting. Now, this would be different. Let's say you're in a networking group and people are going around explaining what they do. If everybody else gives, you know, more or less a 30-second answer on what they do, Very different. then you shouldn't say, I'm a financial advisor. Right. Like, well, good. Okay. Anything else those, you'd like to share about <laughs> how you help people? Those people are giving more of almost like an elevator pitch is what they're doing. And that's not what we're talking about today, right? We're so, talking about that social setting. So. Absolutely. So let's give some other examples. If you feel like you want to go be, uh, above and beyond the, uh, I am a, I am a financial advisor. I'm a wealth manager. What, what would you say, Kevin? Hey, I oversee the finances for a group of families in the area. So yep. oversee, coordinate, manage something along those lines that says, I kind of take this holistic approach I like families a lot warmer than clients. Yeah, so this is the classic uh, Matt Oxley line. It's in a number of different books. We've role-played it at what feels like a thousand workshops. And we have for a reason. A lot of people use it. You can still today, you can see it across a lot of different LinkedIn summaries, yeah. uh, headlines. I see it. You know, it's funny. When advisors will connect with me on LinkedIn and I look at their profile and I see, I oversee the finances for a group of families in XYZ location, I know immediately... They are an Oxley devotee. Yeah, oh like yeah. They've read books. Yep. yep. Love it. Uh, some of these are, are more niche focused. I manage money for business owners. Perfect. Simple. Um, I help people get their financial lives in order. Tell me more, Kevin. <laughs> um, I provide financial planning for physicians. I help families prepare for a secure retirement. So like as you go through these different scenarios... You're just thinking, which ones make me feel comfortable? Yeah. Because here's, here's what happens is when you learn one that you don't feel 100% comfortable with, you go use it once or twice and you feel self-conscious, you go right back to explaining it the way you always had. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So you, so you got to find what makes you comfortable. Also, you'll notice with our delivery that we're trying to keep it pretty casual. Yeah, I oversee the finances for a group of families in the area. What do you do? And, 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 and the, because really what we want to do here, and, and actually this is a tip that we got from a huge producer um, that we worked with. And he said, you know, when I'm in social settings, someone asks me, what do I do? My main goal is what? To build a connection with them. So I give them a quick one-liner. I immediately flip it and I start asking them about themselves. Yes. A great point. Uh, so in terms of delivery, yep. the objective for me is to get this answer out in a way that positions me with confidence. Yep. 
but that puts the focus where it should be, and that's back on the other person. That's right. You know, I, I've got a good memory of being in a workshop one time where uh, the number one producer from a major firm you would all know, and you would all, most all of you would know who this person is, stood up during this person, a portion of a workshop we were doing and said like, hey, remember everybody, just it's this exact point. Remember, the point is to be talking about the other person, not yourself. I'm pretty sure that's where I got this from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was his whole thing is like, this isn't about you. Like, do you think that first interaction with this person is going well if you're talking all about your wealth management capabilities? No, no. no. You want to be talking about their interests, their family, their business. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to, the, uh, to that. But also, Kevin, in terms of your point about it being a little bit more casual, you know, you come across as less sure of yourself, less confident, the more you try to project this air of confidence. Yes, and all of a sudden you like it's like a it's like someone turned on flipped on a switch, and then they're like, "Oh, I work with blah blah blah," and like I and, own a I own a uh, investment company that focuses on <laughs> Forbes such, and you're like, "Oh gosh," <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, there is some there is some some you know, uh, subtle confidence and just like, hey, you know, I oversee the finances for a group of families uh, in the area. What do you what do you do again? Yeah, you're credibilized by a hundred different other things other than what you're saying. Yes. You're credibilized by the clients you work with, the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. You know, you're not credibilized by bragging subtly in the fact that you own this company. You're not bragging, you know, subtly right. that we're a big shop here in town. Right. No, it, it's... You, Quiet confidence. So some of these that you know would have, I think, once been popular, yeah. uh, I think can be dumbed down and still have. Like, for example, on this one that says, I manage money for business owners, you could take that even more dumb bum by saying, you know, I'm a financial advisor you know, focused mainly on business owners. That's right. You know, you don't have to be overly, you don't have to overly embellish this. Exactly. And once you know it, once you know that's kind of what you're going to say, you can just kind of stick with that. Again, you don't need to reinvent this constantly. Um, I want to throw one out to you, Stephen. I want to get your input on it. And this was an advisor. Gosh, I worked with this guy. It was, it was a few years back. Um, and he would say something like, again, in a social setting, someone would say, hey, what do you do? And he would say, oh, I'm a boring money guy. And they'd be like, well, what? what? And he's like, oh, I'm a financial advisor. But he said, I'm a boring money guy. And he would say it was like, almost like an aw shucks. And then they would be like, well, tell me more. And now the problem with it, I think, was that some people thought he was a CPA. And, but to me, it wasn't terrible, but it, I don't know if it positioned him properly. It's one of those where you have to have the personality to pull yeah, off. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. And he's probably one of those. Yep. So a, a few tips, and I think many of these apply to uh, this language and others that you might rehearse. Uh, a big one is to practice it. And this one, if your answer is simple enough, you don't have to practice a whole lot, but it's worth... Uh, and this, you know, when we give new advisors, we do a lot of new advisor training. When we give them advice, we would say, write down your most common questions, your most common responses to those. Yes. And rewrite it until you've got it committed to memory. Then you don't have to think about it anymore. You also have way more confidence going into social prospecting situations. And number two, this is a big one. Quiz your team on their response for this. Ooh, this is a good one. Because you'll surprise yourself on how good or bad their answers are, and usually bad. Yes. You know, I, I was with a team. This was a... Uh, a top, uh, this was also, this was the number one team at a given firm, a smaller firm, but the number one team there. And we were interviewing uh, and consulting the whole team that day. Spent time with the team leader, spent time with all the other associates. And we asked them all similar questions just to compare their answers afterwards. The team leader, brilliant answers. He was, a, uh, you know, an elite advisor as they come. Mm -hmm. could sell to anybody. Everybody liked him. You go around the team, though, and you'd say, well, what do you do? And how would you explain your role on the team? And, uh, and one of them, I'll never forget it, one of the assistants goes, 
I work for the top sales guy at such and such. And we're like, what, what, hold right. on, what? You say that to people? And she's like, well, yeah, he is. And it's like, wrong, there's not many wrong answers here, but that's a wrong answer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and but that's good to know for your team. So this is one that's good, good to kind of quiz and ask other team members. Same thing with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Like today, after the, listening to this podcast, go ask your spouse. Say, hey, say, hey, we, you know, when someone asks you what I do for a living, what do you say? And then just, after you get angry at their response, then do a little bit of coaching with them. But it's, it's true. I mean, the, the, in reality, they're probably not going to have the best response to that. Well, at least it can be, you know, we work a lot with self-consciousness and mindset around selling ourselves. And like for you as a financial advisor, you're listening to this. Part of your job is to sell. You get that. And you still likely have some mental hangups on selling yourself socially. Everybody does, right? Yep. Your spouse does too. And it may be slightly different. Some spouses are vocal advocates. You know, I've talked to some advisors who are sure. like, oh, my spouse, he or she is like, they tell everybody, you yeah. got to work with her and you got to work with him. And we've talked to some others. I remember vividly, uh, one of the advisors we coached, she was a multi-million dollar producer at a, at a big firm. And her husband was an executive at a, at a, a well-known uh, manufacturing company. And she, I said, well, how much opportunity do you get from that? I was expecting there to be a lot. And she was like, hardly any. I was like, well, what do you think when he's talking to his buddies at this at this company? She goes, oh, I asked him before. He goes, I don't know what she she's she does her own thing, you know. Oh, over, no. and I was like, oh, that's like catastrophically no. bad. Oh no, no, you got to equip them with a little bit of better language and the confidence to say no. She, you know, yeah. she is a fantastic financial advisor over at XYZ. You ought to talk to her. When you think about social prospecting, having a spouse that is good at this and knows a lot of people is is such an asset. And you know, I've worked with so many advisors who will say, oh my gosh, I take my, my, my wife with me to these things because she knows everyone, she talks to everyone, and man, she just funnels me new opportunities. Yeah, so let's say hypothetically, um, you know, you're, let's say hypothetically your spouse is out and about, what would you prefer them to say, Kevin, about you if you were a financial advisor? I, I mean, I think I, within those scenarios, I think I want to go really pretty simple with yeah. that. And I would say, you know, it, you know, you could say the, or, you know, he oversees finances for a group of families in the area. He is a financial planner at XYZ company, something like that. Probably pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. And then if they say, you know, if they ask any other follow-up questions, which I think we're going to get into next, I want my spouse to be equipped with some sort of response there. Like if they say, well, I work with so-and-so or I already have a financial planner. Oh, great. Who do you work with? Like you could train them a little bit on some simple follow-up questions. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you work with? Yep. Uh, and being prepared for follow-up questions that come to you. So let's let's put this back. If you're the financial advisor, Kevin, and you explain that, uh, I uh, let's see, I manage money for business owners, and I come back and I say, well, what size businesses? Or I say, well, how big is your business? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how we what we specialize in. Um, or I might say, how do you go about that? Or how long have you been doing it? Or yeah, a lot of those are simple response questions that I would just probably answer point blank. I mean, you could say between X amount of employees typically or a number of different businesses here in the area. If I have permission to reference them via a client, I might reference them and throw out a couple just to build some credibility as mm-hmm. well. Um, if they keep asking me more and more questions, then I might say, you know what, sounds like you have a ton of questions. Yeah, let's, let's grab a cup of coffee next week or something like that. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that there are no absolutes in sales. And earlier we mentioned that this is not a buying signal. Right. This, is not, um, yeah. this is not the point of it. However, 
hypothetically, you're out and about, you're talking to somebody who's an acquaintance of yours, they don't really know what you do professionally, and it comes out that you're a financial advisor, you get on that topic, they share with you who they're working with, right. and you start going down a path, it's like, why wouldn't you offer a meeting if the shoe fits? If the shoe fits. Yeah. Yeah, and and if it doesn't, I mean, that's that's 90 some odd percent of the time it's not going to in that moment, but every now and then you might hit someone at the right right time, and, and I think you want to defer the conversation to a later date if you can. You don't want to get into all the details right then and there. You're saying more of, you know what, sounds like you have a lot on your mind. Like, let's probably probably not the best uh, place and time to get into it. Let's let's talk tomorrow. What do you got going on? I like it. Something simple. Yeah, simple, direct. So, for future episodes, Kevin, let's think through some language we can get into. I think what do you do is a big one. What do you charge? What do you charge? Yeah. Um, in in some form, what sets you apart from others? Mm, what makes you different? Yeah. yeah. Um, What's an ideal client for you? That's a that's a really good one. Actually, how many clients do you work with? We could we could do a whole episodes on these. We should. Yeah. Whole selling series the podcast. Yeah, it's true. And again, team focused. Hey, if you're in need of good language, coaching's here for you. I don't want to minimize coaching's impact to be just about language, but it's some of the most fun things to talk about. I think more so for a lot of our clients that we ask, they value the fact that they've got some accountability in their life. Sure. Um, most of them are already successful, but no different than people who hire a personal trainer. They get more out of themselves with somebody pushing them and offering ideas. I, I think that, you know, you know, really to tie in today's topic, like I think a lot of them like the language. Mm -hmm. They like knowing kind of what they should say or the dialogue model they should use, which we didn't even get into today, um, when they're in different scenarios. Scenarios right? with prospects, yes. scenarios with clients, scenarios with COI, scenarios with team members. Yes. We do a lot of teams coaching. So, And by the way, that's pretty easy coaching because uh, to me, like once I practice that a few times with you and, and you, know, you, you start getting into a rhythm with the language, you got it. Go use it. Yeah. Right. Check it out. Uh, and also, episode 109 coming up after this. This was 108. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already, so you'll be on the lookout for that one when it arrives. Thanks, everybody.